Hello and welcome to Film Review Weekly. I am your host, Jacob London, and I am joined, as always, by the ever-wonderful Miss Taylor Robinson. How are you? I'm very, very good. I am ready to have some maybe not so hot takes about this movie. I don't know. I think I think I think I uh, might actually have some popular takes about this movie, which is very interesting as the person who was probably least excited to go see this movie. But I'm glad to glad to be here. Glad to be talking movies with some really cool people as always. How how are you? I'm good. Um this week we did a 16-hour flight over two days. Actually, we did three flights over two days. We are, of course, in America. We have we have a, we have left the humble abode that is Australian shores and have arrived into the promised land of America. <laughs> the promised land is that what we're calling it? I don't know Amazing. what you guys call it. Amazing, uh, the land of freedom. The land of the yes. free. Uh, we are here. We're very excited to be yes. here. Uh, it took three flights to get here, which is my least favorite thing ever, but we made it. So uh, Yeah, so we apologize for the audio quality because uh, all of my nice, expensive, really, like, solid equipment is currently sitting unprotected at my home. So <laughs> we are also joined by JTE. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I'm always in America, so not much new here. Uh yeah, I'm excited about this movie because maybe me and Jacob will be on the same page here. I grew up, this was something that was in my VHS collection uh, that I would put on repeat all the time. This was just one of those landmark movies as a kid growing up that was just constantly in my rotation with 1989 Batman, Back to the Future, those 80s classics that we love today. Ghostbusters is easily in that mix. Now, I think this movie... We're going to get into it. It's doing something different. So I feel like a lot of the hot takes or popular takes of this movie is, I think, what you expected and what you got and how that might be a struggle for some people. But we'll get into that some more. But I'm excited to talk about it because there is a lot of interesting things going on with this movie behind the scenes and in front of the camera. Yeah, I um, I, I think so. OK, we might just. Uh, move on from what we were watching this week and we'll just go jump straight into our Ghostbusters review. Well, for... well hang on, hang oh, on. Oh, sorry, no, on. no, no, you no, have no. some things you no, want to no, talk no. about. No, no, we can't. Come on now. Okay. What are we doing here? Okay. We can't just skip parts of Fair the, enough. Skip okay. oh, parts that's of the right. show you, you need to talk about this. I, I need to talk about... Well, first of all, we watched Hawkeye in an airport. We watched the first two episodes of Hawkeye in the airport while yes. we were trying to kill time. Yes. So we've been watching that. On the plane, we definitely didn't watch as many movies as we thought we were going to. We had, like, this whole plan and then, like, didn't watch anything. I watched one movie. I watched Infinite. And I regret every single second of having watched that movie. Um, It literally, I knew it was going to be bad. But I didn't know that it was possible to be the level of bad that it actually managed to achieve. It was wild. Like, the script was bad story they chose like maybe could have been interesting if they like tried to do something with it and the acting was the next level horrific like I don't even know what was happening it it felt like they made this movie for no budget they like picked a bunch of high school kids who are not high school age like you got people like it's like a high school production it's just bad it was so bad I was like this is no are we talking the Mark Wahlberg and yes 
Yes. It is god-awful. It, it is, is so bad. The movie is all about building a universe that nobody cares about. Like, it's literally, <laughs> the it should be called Franchise Starter, a Mark Wahlberg movie, because the whole movie feels like it's a setup for this big franchise. Hopefully, I think they were hoping to get spinoffs with this thing. But it is so garbage. Mark Wahlberg is miscast. He is like 50, and he feels like the role belongs to somebody. Dylan O'Brien is in this movie. Yeah. He yeah. probably should have been the lead. But, I agree. But I agree. He, he dodged a bullet because this is an awful movie. Yeah. So he, luckily he didn't star in the movie. I feel bad because I think Anton Fuqua, given the right material, he can make a pretty good entertaining kind of blockbuster or R-rated action movie. I like the first Equalizer. Second one, not so much, but I like the Mani- that Magnificent Seven remake for it. It, it was a, it's nowhere near the original, but it was entertaining. It had some really good action sequences. Anton Fuqua, he's hit or miss. This, though, is probably by far his worst movie he's ever made. I think I fast forward halfway through the movie. I was just like, I just get to the ending because I don't care about anything. Yeah, it. Uh, I have this thing where I will I make it a goal to watch any movie that Dylan O'Brien is in. And I was like, man, maybe he could have like made this movie tolerable if he was the lead. But like you said, it's like a dodged bullet with not being the lead of this movie. Like it was just, I don't know how Mark, well, I do know how Mark Wahlberg ended up the lead of this movie, but he really should not have been. Like it just, none of it felt like it worked on any level. And that's the only movie I watched on the plane. So that was a a disaster for me personally in my what have I been watching Mm. recently. Have you watched? It, did you watch anything on? I play? watched Avengers Endgame. Oh, nice. I don't know why. Nice. I just felt like watching Endgame, and so I watched Endgame. That was the only movie I watched on the plane, even though I have a list of thirty-two movies I said I was going to watch before Sunday. I'm not going to watch any of them before Sunday. I'm just going to run out of time. So, uh, yeah, the movie watching this week has not been my forte. Um, however, we did see Ghostbusters. We were, also, we were going to try and see like Encanto and um, Resident Evil, and we've just not had time. Um, family has definitely been like, "No, we, you spend time with us because it's Thanksgiving, and it's which is fair. Like it's Thanksgiving Hon- weekend." Honestly, I've been too tired to go see a movie. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> realistically, but that's what well, I've we been... did see Ghostbusters. We did see Ghostbusters. Yes, and I did see Resident Evil, and it's there's nothing really to see there. It is very faithful to the video game in some aspects, and I think if you're a super geek when it comes to Resident Evil, it's kind of like you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, I know where that's that was in the video game. Oh yeah, that was in the video game. Oh, that statue was in the video game. That's the highest level of enjoyment you'll probably get out of the movie. It's not scary. The action isn't really well done. The characters are bland and they're about as deep. No, you know what? That's an insult to the video games. They're thinner characters than the video games. They are basically mannequins just walking around shooting guns. And I, I can't recommend it. It's not awful, though. It's not like, you know, you bowl House of the Dead awful. It, so it's in that weird middle zone where it's not so bad it's good, but it's not good. It's just there. And that's all it is. I don't know what else to say. It's dead on arrival. Like the zombies in the damn movie. Fair. So that's uh, uh, that's that's really what we've been watching. What about you? Yeah, so Resident Evil is the only thing I saw right before Thanksgiving. Saw House of Gucci. We will cover that in much more detail in our next review. I have some thoughts about that movie. 
So I won't really touch on that. That's about it. I did see one thing over Thanksgiving holidays, which was streaming, which was 8-Bit Christmas, the Neil Patrick yeah, Harris movie. Yeah, on HBO Max. It's about a kid who wants to get a Nintendo. Uh, it's very much a Christmas story-esque kind of structure. It's fun. It's cute. It's very harmless. It's not going to be a new Christmas classic. It's not going to make rotation like Christmas Story. But I think if you have a love for the 80s and you have a love for Super Nintendo and that kind of time period, it is a fun little throwback. I think Neil Patrick Harris does a good job of narrating it. Uh, it's a new line cinema film that they decide to premiere on HBO Max. So that's where you could watch it. I recommend checking it out. I think it's good for all ages. I think adults will find some things to enjoy and kids will like it also. The kids are the highlight of the movie. They really went and got these kid actors who really kind of fit their role really well. And they have a lot of charm and charisma. I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to these kind of movies like Christmas Story. You have to have good child actors. And even if they're not good, at least they should be charming and, you know, you should be amused by them. And I did find a lot of the kids in this movie very amusing. So overall, not a big thumbs up or anything. But if you see the trailer and that looks like something that you would have fun with, I would recommend check it out. Just don't expect it to be like a new Christmas classic. This is a, this is an elf. It's not going to make your rotation every year. But it's a nice little free watch to stream on HBO. And that's basically it. Everything else I watched was a lot of, a lot of you know, just random TV shows, catching up on the morning show on Apple TV. And yeah, that's about it. I'm a lot of big movies coming up. I'm looking forward to. Yep. So we'll we'll talk about more of that. But yeah, Thanksgiving. I, Canto is another one I really want to see. Rave reviews. Just mm. haven't had a chance. I'll probably check it out this week. Yeah, uh, we're try, gonna try and check it out this week as well. But we can talk about the one movie we did see this week. Finally, we know we're a week late on uh, this review, but we are talking about. Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters. New York in the 80s? It's like The Walking Dead. Your dad never mentioned this to you? It's just my mom. My grandfather died. My mom says we're just here to pick through the rubble of his life. This is the infamous Ghostbusters 3, the long-awaited Ghostbusters 3 that everyone has been clamoring for the last 20 years, 30 years. What did we think, JTE? So I have a lot of affection for this movie. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, this is something that I was excited for, but I also knew going in, there's no way this was going to meet the level of quality of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a kind of a little movie miracle. Uh, you had the right cast at the right time. I mean, it's a blender of genres. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what genre it is. Some people say it's a comedy. Some people say it's a horror sci-fi. You know, I don't know exactly where you could put it in. I think if you went to Blockbuster, it'd probably be in the comedy section if you were looking at like the genres. But 
to me, that's putting it in a very small container. When this movie, the original movie is just bursting with originality, humor. You have Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis. You have Ernie Hudson. You have Billy, uh, not Billy Hudson, Bill Murray, uh, totally different character. And Rick Moranis, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, like just so much talent in that movie. And every single character just fills the role completely. So you have to go into the mindset that Jason Reitman is doing something very different from the original Ghostbusters, from the first two Ghostbusters. Uh, a lot of people make comparisons to Amblin, like early Spielberg, Goonies, slash Stand By Me, I guess, kind of coming of age, which this movie definitely touches on. And I think that's where Jason Reitman's strength comes in, because we've seen a lot of his films prior to this. There were small indie films about family characters, character-driven and here you have him mixing that with an Ivan Reitman Ghostbusters movie. And it doesn't always work, but when they do work, I think it does on a level that's very interesting. And it's, I have, I'm having a problem pinpointing exactly where the tug of war with this movie is, because at times it is a straight up Ghostbusters movie. And at times, I feel like you could take the Ghostbusters element out of this. I would just enjoy this as a family who relocated and are trying to find themselves. And that's a weird mix. But you know what? The original Ghostbusters was a weird mix also. It was all these SNL alums making a weird sci-fi, big-budget summer movie. I don't think this movie quite reaches the heights of that summer spectacle that I think the original does. In a lot of ways, this movie is a lot smaller, a lot more personal. And I think the movie struggles when it tries to also be that big budget blockbuster summer movie. Uh, but I still really enjoyed it. And I said this in the previous episode, like nostalgia is definitely either an issue or a positive for you when you watch this film. I, But it's done in a very loving way. You could tell Jason Reitman has a lot of love and a lot of affection for this material. And he treats it as such. And I think the heart is in the right place for where he goes with this movie, especially when it comes to some of the larger story points, which we'll get to in spoilers. But at the end of the day, it is a very different movie than original Ghostbusters, while at the same time feeling very, very similar to the original Ghostbusters because of all the callbacks, because of the structure of the plot. A lot of people say this is the Force Awakens of Ghostbusters, and I kind of agree with that. But I think he does some things better than what J.J. did with Force Awakens. Again, we'll get into spoilers. But overall, I'm positive about it. Even though I have some issues with it, which I'll get into a little bit later, I left the theater happy. I left the theater positive. Remember Ghostbusters 2 when they got shot with that slime of positivity? That's kind of how I felt. I felt like Jason Reitman shot that slime all over me, and I was just feeling the positive energy flowing through me as I left the theater. So overall, a thumbs up. But it's not a home run. But it's, a, it's at least a double or triple. Taylor, what, what were your thoughts as someone who's not the biggest Ghostbusters fan? Well, it's it's not necessarily that I'm not a Ghostbusters fan. It's just I've seen the movie, the first movie one time and it's not really like, it's not something that I necessarily hold dear to me. Or when you hear that there's another movie coming that you're like, oh, that's that's for me. Like, that's, that's my thing. Um, this movie worked for me until the last act of the film. I was very, very much on board in a way that I was not expecting to be. 
And then the last act of the film happens and it completely turned me off of the film completely. It basically lost all of the goodwill it had built up to that point and I was just kind of left disappointed. I really liked the the kind of small scale film that it was. And I really liked the family elements and getting to know these new characters and getting to go on that journey. And that kind of being thrown away to me really, really hurts the last act of the film. It it turns into a movie that I don't quite recognize in the end. It feels like a, 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 they flip a switch and it's, it's completely different. And I said in my review that the nostalgia of it all at the very end probably works the way it's supposed to on the people that it's supposed to work on, but I'm not that target audience of I'm going to buy into that. But I'll have, I'll get a bit deeper into it, but I really, really appreciated most of the film. It just doesn't stick the ending or the landing for me. So... So I think that the you kind of mentioned it earlier when you were saying that it's false that it, that you feel like it's very Force Awakens. I think two thirds of this movie are Force Awakens, and it does Force Awakens very very well because it gives us characters that I was falling in love with. I really love the new characters. McKenna Grace is a standout in this movie, but so is everyone else. I think Carrie Coon is great. I think Paul Rudd is great. I think um, all of the cast, it's a really great cast and they work really well. The third act is Rise of Skywalker. It's, we pull out, the the third act doesn't work for me uh, at all. And I think that it's trying so hard to be so it's trying really hard to be more than it should be we'll get to it in spoilers but i thought that i really loved that it was an intimate movie and then the third act isn't and that was the problem i had with it um there's also other major problems that i have that not this movie doesn't that this movie doesn't it's not the only one that does it and it's just a problem i've always had with movies that do this um, but we wouldn't get to that. Spoilers. It's overall a good movie. I, I, I gave it a positive review. I, I gave it one that I would, I would, I would give it a recommendation to people, but I would give it with the caveat of it doesn't, it, it's a, it's a single, it, it hit, it gets on base, but that's it. Like it, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't completely knock it out of the park. Like I like something like force awakens did for me with the first time I saw it, where it's like, I'm back in this world. I am, I love that I'm back in this world. I was kind of, man, I really wanted to be back in this world. And I was for majority of it. And then it just didn't stick the landing. And I'm really disappointed. And it kind of left me disappointed walking out because it didn't stick the landing. Whereas in, if it was bad for two acts and then stuck the landing, I think I'd have been a lot more excited. Um, so it sounds like I'm giving it a massive but negative, but I am giving it a positive review. I did think this was a good movie. I did enjoy it and I'm glad I saw it. And I think it's worth seeing alone just for McKenna Grace and Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd. Like I do think that their dynamic is very funny. I think podcast, I think podcast is one of the funniest characters in the movie. Um, like I, all these characters work fantastically 
I just didn't love where the story went and I didn't love the third act. Well, it sounds like we all kind of three have different levels of enjoying <laughs> the third act. I think I'm probably the most positive out of the three out of us. But when I hear Taylor say she's only seen Ghostbusters once before, <laughs> I could totally understand how this movie wouldn't work for her. Because, mm-hmm. again, Jason Raymond really makes this movie as a love letter to the franchise. And his love for these characters is so front and center that if you don't come into this movie with that same kind of admiration, it's not going to hit as hard. And I'm not really talking about the story structure of like the third act. I'm just talking about the way he really plays up a homage to the original films. And like there's so many little Easter eggs and so many things that are a callbacks to the original film. Like, there's even a point in the movie, and this is a spoiler, they're in the small town, and there's a movie theater in the background, and the two films that are playing are the same films that are playing in the first Ghostbusters when they run out of a movie theater. Hmm. It's it's the same exact films, and they're both movies featuring Eugene Levy. They're, it's a callback to SCTV. Again, I'm not expecting everybody to, to pull that. The only reason why I noticed that was because I revisited part one and part two right before I went and watched this one. But to me, that's just a hint of the amount of care and attention to detail and love for those first two movies that Jason Reitman poured into this movie. So if you're not a fan of Ghostbusters, I would be like, you're probably not going to like this movie. Or if, like Taylor, you've only seen it once and it's not ingrained into your memory like me. I feel like your love for those characters aren't going to be there because he is relying a lot on your love and knowledge of those characters from past films, especially towards the end of this film, which we'll get into. So I think that's very interesting. All right. Well, do we want to jump into spoilers? Because I think we do want to discuss this third act because I think I I really do want to get into this third act because I I want to discuss why it didn't work for me. So here it is, guys, your spoiler alert for Ghostbusters Afterlife. So the biggest issue I so what I thought the film did really really well in the first two acts were the, was the homages and the nostalgia and the little moments like the trap, um, the like Ecto having Ecto one in here and the little stuff worked a treat. The phone call to Ray I loved. I thought the phone call to Ray was incredible, and in all honesty, if that was the only thing in the movie. I would have been okay. I would have thought it would have worked great. Or if you had had them kind, I didn't love that they just turned up at the end, full Ghostbusters outfit going up against Goza. It just felt like, oh, okay, you're literally just doing the first one instead of reinventing it and coming up with some unique way of doing it. You're just reinvent. You're just redoing the first one. And, and that, that kind of really soured to me. It also, I felt like you could tell they didn't want to be there. They were kind of like Bill, Bill Murray did not want to be there. It just, he, he, it didn't work for me. And I, I don't know. I just, the, the, the third act just wasn't particularly good for me. <laughs> 
Uh, Taylor, what, what, what did you think? Um, yeah, I think, like I said, I don't think I'm necessarily the target audience for this movie as someone who, and I, and I guess that kind of bothers me on a level because I wish that it would have been a movie that you could feel like you could be both. You could be someone who had noticed the Easter eggs if you were a diehard but I wish that it would have stuck the landing that the first two parts of the movie did for me, where the ending as someone who isn't a huge Ghostbusters person felt like such a gut punch of like, oh, this third act is not for me. Like it's not for a general audience to really be able to appreciate. And it just felt like so much. It felt like they shoved so much into that last act of like here's this character you recognize and here's this character you recognize and here's this thing that's such a huge callback and here's like it just didn't mean anything to me and it also kind of felt like they had abandoned what I loved about the beginning of the movie you you weren't getting you were getting a family dynamic that felt forced at the end because it's this you know grandfather slash father that they never really knew but, like, it's supposed to be this big emotional thing. And, like, I didn't really like the what they did with Paul Rudd and um, okay. Carrie at the end where it's, like, supposed to kind of be a joke that, like, they end up hooking up and, like, this whole, like, weird dynamic thing. Like, none of it really worked for me. I just was sitting there kind of going, this all feels like it's, these choices are deliberate for me to feel all these different things instead of a natural kind of flow on from what we were already getting. Mm. And it just, it just left me kind of feeling cold as someone who doesn't have nostalgic connections to all this. And I'm wishing they would have gone middle of the road with it. Like give me like half of those things. And then, and I also am not a huge fan of having such a small scale story. And then all of a sudden it's the apocalypse at the end. And I think that also ties into they're trying to make it too much like the first film. Like, it just didn't work for me. Like, I really wanted it to because I loved the first two acts more than I ever expected to. And then the ending just fell so flat for me emotionally. This is great because I'm like so different. <laughs> um, yeah, like, this is it's so weird. I think we need to talk about the structure of the third act because as somebody who loves the first film, I know what Gozer has to do to come back. There needs to be a gatekeeper. There needs to be a key master. There is a set plan of things that need to happen. Yep. So once we knew we were getting Gozer in the trailers, I knew exactly what the possibilities were. There's a certain ritual that needs to happen for Gozer to come back. So as I'm watching the movie, unlike Force Awakens, where I remember being in the theater, I, did, I loved Force Awakens for its characters, but I was... I didn't love the movie because I was like, really? Star Killer? It's just a giant another Death Star. And by that time, that's the third Death Star. We mm. I was able to look over Return of the Jedi, but like, okay, they're building another one, sure. But then you come back with a third one. This is only the second time we're getting Gozer coming back. And the way the story for me, the beginning first of the opening scene, I think was fantastic. Not showing Harold Ramis's face. He's in yeah. shadow. Jacob's agreeing. He loved. He liked that beginning. So for me, the first two acts of this film it sets up these new characters, right? Which really worked for Taylor, it sounds like, and I think it worked for all of us. And then once it goes full Ghostbusters at the end of the movie, because of those first two acts, I'm on board with those characters. I was on board with the 
Ghostbusters third act of it all because again I think he's the movie's relying a little bit on your knowledge almost as a shortcut. He doesn't have to get into the who the gatekeeper, the key master is. Whereas if you're if you if you skip those first two movies or especially mainly the first movie and you go right into this one, I could see you being like, who wait, what's going on? Key master? Gatekeeper, what is happening here? Whereas I'm like, oh I know exactly where this is going. I know exactly what the rules are. I'm ready to go on. And then I think the big thing we got to talk about, obviously, is the Harold Ramis moment really worked for me. The shot of all four of them and the way they revealed the reveal with the hand on her hand. I love Harold Ramis. I've seen just about every movie he's been in. Uh, I love the character Egon. For me, the family dynamic really worked. And I got emotional at the end. I teared up at that last scene. Now, I don't. I understand it's not going to work for everybody. But it definitely worked for me. I go and talk about my own experience. Uh, so yeah, so I but I will agree with you, Jacob. I don't think they handled the reveal of Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson. It felt a little lazy. They just kind of come out of the bushes, and it's mm-hmm. just like I wish they would have built that up a little more and made it a little bit more. I don't know, just a little bit more inventive and surprising. But once I got past that and I got to see them with that Harold Ramis you know, ghost, I got emotional. I got, I got, I teared up and the, when he had the scene with his daughter, you know, Carrie Coon, I thought that was great. Uh, Cause they really do leave a lot of the breadcrumbs throughout the movie, their relationship. He's a strange father. There's a lot of things in the movie that really build up that made that pay off for me at the end. But at the same time, I understand why I wanted for somebody else. What are your guys' opinion? How did the hair? I'm really want to hear how the Harold Ramis part of it worked for you guys. The Harold Ramis part is really tough for me because I hate that this is becoming a trend. I really hate it. I it's it's something in Hollywood that I find to be massively disrespectful and insulting to the acting craft, which is we're getting an actor who has passed away, we're getting someone else to, to do the role. And we're just going to put a dead actor's face on uh, their face on this actor's because acting is about choices. Acting is about decisions that an actor makes. And when you can't make those choices because you're not alive anymore and someone else is is making those choices for you, I I don't love it. And I I find that it is disrespectful. Now I get that the family had signed off, signed off, the family were on board. It I it's just something that I've never. It's Sorry, something my that dog's I've, disagreeing with you. My dog is disagreeing. I brought him to the yep, movie. Does not agree. He, I, let me just say real quick. Like to me, it's about how you execute it. Like when you watch Rogue One, it just felt like they threw him in there for fan service. But, okay, but so it Rogue felt One, like fan so service. This doesn't Rogue feel One. like fan service. There's two in Rogue One. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher's one I'm fine with because at the time Carrie Fisher was alive and she can and she could if she wasn't if if it wasn't her which it, it wasn't she could at least sign off her per, per personally on the decisions they're making with her face. This this one I don't like because it's not his decisions and and it's it look it's a personal thing I'm never going to get over. Um, I'm not going to like it when the James Dean movie comes out or the, or the Paul Newman one comes out or whatever. I, 
I'm fine with using archival footage. And if they if you, if they came out and said, oh, we just had footage around of and we were kind of creative with it, I probably would have been more okay with it because he made those choices for at that time. But this one just didn't. It, it, it doesn't work for me. And so these really massively emotional moments are undercut because I really hate what they're doing. And it just, it, it takes me instantly That's out because so I, it, it like if you takes me instantly out of the movie, like I understand exactly where you're coming from. Cause I've heard other people mention this, but if I was to point to like any movie that pulled it off with the most like grace and love and just like affection for the actor, it would be this one because they never make him speak. Mm. I understand, you know, he's emoting with his face, but it really felt more like the spirit of Harold Ramis was there. It didn't feel like you said, James, they're making a movie with James Dean and Paul Newman now with CGI. It didn't feel like that to me. It was to me like the best way you could do it without, you know, stepping out of bounds. I guess I would say to me, it is literally this, the spirit of Harold Ramis kind of vibrates throughout this film. And, and at no point was I like, Oh man, they're just doing this for that yeah. green money. They're just doing it to, to like you know put Harold. It's like if you watched a movie and they threw like Bruce Lee in it for no reason, like CGI to fight somebody. I'm like, there's no reason to have that. You're just doing it because it's Bruce Lee. This movie felt like he's integral to the story, and the literally movie ends with for Harold. So this really felt like almost a goodbye to Harold Ramis in his character and with the family. But again, this is just my opinion. I totally understand if you can't get past, like yeah. it just feels wrong for you, which I totally understand. It, 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 it does. Um, I think, like I said, look, I thought the first act when they did it at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. was perfect. I thought I, I'm fine with that because it's one, it's, it's not him. Like it, it's someone else who's doing it and it's just his character. Like I think there are there could have been clever ways that they could have gotten around or really or implied that it was him or I thought the way that they were handling the chess moves and everything, I thought that was great. Like I I mean you could have done it where we just didn't see his face. You could like I, I think that there would there was a way to do it without showing him because we've seen that happen in the past. The other thing I want to say, um the three scenes that we get of the three Ghostbusters that are like out of, you know, the, the post-credit scenes and then the Ray call, if they were the ones, if that was the only, their only scene in the movie, I would have been fine with that. I think that would have actually worked really well. I like, because the, the Bill Murray and um, Sigourney Weaver scene was better than anything Bill Murray did in as, a, as the Ghostbusters. I thought that he, in that scene, he felt like Venkman. Mm -hmm. compared to the scene when he was in um going up against goza he didn't feel like bankman he felt like bill murray playing bankman and not wanting to be there but mm -hmm. I, I thought i thought he when he was talking with sigourney reaver he felt like bankman and it worked really really well for me and i thought it, that i thought that scene was very funny um and, and that's just i don't know that there's a lot of this movie that feels kingdom of the crystal scully there's a lot of this movie that feels rise of skywalker there's a lot of this but then there is a lot of this movie that feels really force awakens and and star trek 09 where it's like this is a we're, we're redoing this franchise but from a a, a, a place of 
just absolute love and affection. And I, I, I think there is a lot about this movie that works really, really well. Like I said, the mechanograph, the, the whole mystery building up was brilliant. I just would have preferred it not be Goza. I actually would have preferred mm-hmm. Goza to be in the ne- in the next one or the one after. I think this mm-hmm. first movie is just the smaller scale movie that's building up and se- giving these characters and setting up because you know there's going to be a sequel. You know there's going to be another one down the line, and I think that that would have worked better for this film than, hey, we're, doing, we're redoing Goza. We're redoing – we're just going to basically do all this because now – it doesn't feel like there's anywhere that this can go. I, I, I kind of feel like we've, we've, we've gone there. Now what? Like even, it, I, I even felt that the scene where they were like, okay, everyone cross the streams straight away. And it was just kind of anticlimactic. Like, oh, we know how to do this. And then that was it. I, it was just like, oh, so we're, okay. So that's how we're doing Goza. Like, oh, okay. Like, I don't, it just, the whole thing just gave a bad taste in my mouth and just it I didn't didn't work for me at all um yeah i mean i've kind of said what i need to say in terms of how i think the the structure doesn't necessarily work if you are trying to include an audience that isn't very precious about ghostbusters or or isn't super familiar um it to me it kind of abandons you in the third act. It doesn't really, as JT was saying, it doesn't hold your hand through explaining a lot of the things where if you don't know what's going on, you're kind of just lost with, with a lot of how that works, um, which isn't great to me. I mean, I get that that's not what they were necessarily trying to do. It was a love letter to people who already love Ghostbusters. Um, and that's kind of a decision that they made. And that's just what they're going to have to live with at mm-hmm. this point. Um, and I think it works for most of the people that it's supposed to work for, which is great. It just bums me out because I was really excited about what I got the first two thirds of the film. And then it just felt like they didn't care about me anymore in the third act. <laughs> and, and what I thought about it anymore, it didn't matter. Which is, again, it's fine. It's not a huge deal. This was not one that I was super anticipating in the first place. But I do think that it it did a bit of a disservice to the new cast that we got. Because I loved McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard and Paul Rudd and, and and, you know, Logan Kim as podcasts. Like, I thought the new cast was so good and so engaging. And we were getting such an interesting story with them. Then in the end, it kind of feels like they just get brushed aside because they want to bring in all of the nostalgia and they want to throw in uh, all of the old characters and all of the old Easter eggs and and turn it into the old story that we already got, but and, but at a level that's too high. I don't even mind that they necessarily did that. I just wanted a, a cool resolution with these new characters that we had fallen in love with, or at least that I had fallen in love with, because I do think that they're all so great in the film. Um, and I do think that it it will be a disservice to McKenna Grace and the rest of this new cast if we don't get more movies with them. But like you said, personally, I don't know where they go from here because it feels like they did it in the first movie. It feels like BVS all over again, where it's like, well, all right, where do we go now? Um, but 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 I do have so many positives about the film for someone who wasn't super excited about it. About it, um, I am a little perplexed as to why we got a cameo of jk simmons in a nothing role for three seconds when they completely threw him out the window 
but uh, it was it felt like such an out of place like a weird did. cameo. Yeah. <laughs> but well, that's another thing that goes to the lore. So that character that he plays is in the video games. He's mm. like in, like he's a well known. He is somebody who worshipped Gozer and was the one who built that building in New York. But a lot of that context is outside of the movies. Like he's never. I don't think he's barely mentioned in the first film. But if you act, if you're a uber geek for Ghostbusters, there's a lot about that character in other material. Yeah. But this movie, he is really kind of a throwaway. J.K. Simmons has just worked with Reitman a bunch of times. He's cameos of <laughs> like a bunch of his movies. Yeah. So he's just there to be J.K. Simmons. Is like, oh, there's J.K. Oh yeah, it's a Jason Reitman movie. Uh, the funny thing that you said, Taylor, is you know like how you felt like it abandoned you a little bit in the third which I totally understand, but for me, this movie feels like a bridge. Uh, it is not a complete reboot. It is a sequel to the first two films, more specifically the first movie. And I feel like if, you know, by having all that third act, all that goes there, the Harold Ramis thing throughout the story, it makes it feel more like a true sequel to the first two Ghostbusters instead of just a reboot with the same name with new characters. So I get what you're saying, like, it feels like it abandons the new people who are into the new characters and the new stuff, but by being so slavish, I guess you could say to the original of being a direct sequel to the first two films, I think maybe it was just too heavy handed. I guess there could have been a better balance of the newer stuff towards the end, instead of just going full ghostbusters at the very end of this movie to the point where you're basically getting a, almost, you know, a remake of the third act. Uh, but I do think there are some fun things there. You know, the whole, are you a God? Like, I love that little moment because it just harkens back to the same scene from the original. And it's like, Ray, don't you, come on, Ray, you know what to do here. Like, I love Bill Murray kind of playing off that and, you know, playing some reverence to the original. So, and again, to me, like I said earlier, this movie is a tug of war of trying to reintroduce Ghostbusters to a new generation, new characters, but they're related to one of the main Ghostbusters and then, you know, pleasing the fans of those first two films while also starting something new. I wondered, I, I am curious, like maybe if they didn't have Gozer and they just had a completely different villain, a different kind of structure for the third act, but still have a way to bring in the older Ghostbusters. Maybe this would have worked a little bit better for people who aren't such, you know, fans of the original, but as a fan of the original, it worked for me. I cried at the end. I, for me, I, I, like I said with you, Jacob, earlier, I do think they could have came with a more inventive way of the Ghostbusters showing up. Mm. But to have that one shot of all four of them, and like it, t that makes up for like everything before it for me. But if it doesn't for you, I get it. But for me, I was like, ah, oh, just basking in the glory of the ghost. See the original four Ghostbusters together again, which, you know, honestly, didn't think was possible because of Harold Ramis', Harold Ramis passing, uh, definitely touched me in my Ghostbusters heart. So mm -hmm. I enjoyed it for that. Yeah, I, I think, and again, it comes back to my big, my biggest pet peeve in Hollywood at the moment is that takes me out instantly because I can, I, I, I look at a scene like that and I can just instantly go, they're all looking at CGI. And it doesn't impact, it doesn't have the same impact on me, but that's... But when you watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes or Dawn, it's all CG, mm -hmm. but man, it looks amazing. Like, I really... I, yeah, I, I, that's, <laughs> I think 
the the reason why that's different for me is because that is an artist at work. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel that this and again you're right this is probably the closest i'm ever going to get where it be something that is genuinely from the heart and has nothing to do with trying to rob like to mm-hmm. and, and to trying to be emotionally manipulative that this is probably the closest that it's ever going to get to just being genuine from the heart of i i wanted to have this moment i i you know bill murray's also talked about how he wanted to have that moment in the movie he wanted like mm-hmm. I get it. I just, I can't see past it. And it's just something that, you know, I, I, it, it's the thing that I'm going to be the bitter old man going, no, you can't do that. So um, that, that's just me. But does anyone else have anything else they want to add about this movie before we wrap it up? I think overall the cast, you guys mentioned this earlier, I think is great. Uh, McKenna Grace, fantastic. Paul mm-hmm. Rudd, that man could do no wrong. Uh, he could show up in any movie, and he's usually the highlight. I think he was fantastic. He does a walk in in the Walmart. I don't know what he was doing, but it was amazing. Like The whole theater was laughing, and all he was doing was walking. <laughs> uh, I just love it. I also Carrie Coon. I thought was really good in this, playing yeah. you know not the you know cookie cutter mom, being very much you know a little bit of a rebel. Yeah, I, I just thought the cast overall was great. The kid who played podcast was fantastic. Uh, I think uh, Wolf Finhard is that correct? <laughs> is yeah, Wolf Finn Finhard? Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, sorry, I totally messed up his name. Uh, he's he was good, but he didn't really bring a lot to the movie. He was just the older brother. Hmm. He was fine. I don't think he was like somebody where I'm like, I need to see where that character is going to go. I will say the teaser trailer at the very end seems like Ernie Hudson. I love the fact that he's like this millionaire and he reopens the fire. Uh, The old Ghostbusters hang out. He's talking about, and the last shot is the Ghostbusters ecto going down the New York bridge. I thought that was fantastic. And it does get me excited. And I'm hoping if they do do a sequel, which I think will happen because Moon made a lot of money is, you know, they'll wait a couple of years, let McKenna Grace, you know, get a little bit older, let all these actors mature a little bit more and hopefully we'll get Ghostbusters back in New York. And much like this movie's the force awakens, this next one could be the last Jedi. You could let go of a lot of that, you know, callbacks, the member, you know, the member berries and just do something a little bit more original. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think they really wanted to make this a direct sequel to the first two films and that's why it was so heavy-handed with the Ghostbusters callbacks structure. And I understand if that didn't work for some people, but for me it worked. And I am excited. At the end of the day, I left excited for these characters. I left excited for where this franchise could go. So for this being a reboot sequel, I think it did accomplish what it what it needed to in my eyes. It gave something for it gave some new characters for people who are big Ghostbuster fans, and it also gave the diehard Ghostbuster fans any, everything they could have wanted at the, by the end of that movie. So this is a good stepping stone, a good bridge to a new Ghostbusters film. Tim? Um, yeah, like, like I said, I kind of, I, I agree for the most part. I just wish that the transition between the stuff for the new fans and the nostalgia would have been a bit more, it would have had a better bridge. Like I wish that wasn't just so sudden that all it's just the movie turns into, you know, the, the callback in such a severe way where I felt I started feeling a little bit lost. Um, but having seen it now, 
I would be able to tell people, hey, you know, maybe revisit the old films before you go into this one, just because, like, if you care that much about it, because it will be important for you to do. Um, But I did enjoy this movie a lot more than I was expecting to. I'm just now kind of more disappointed that it didn't stick a landing for me because, like, I wanted to fully love the whole movie a lot, and it just didn't end up working out that way for me. It just... It felt like it had the potential to be something really great for someone who wasn't expecting anything out of it. Um, And it just didn't quite hit that mark for me. But there was a lot that I did enjoy about it. Um, And and so I I am glad that we went to see it. But it definitely hit some of my new new annoyances of just heavy heavy nostalgia in ways that general audiences aren't going to be able to quite... um, figure out and taylor um, you said this earlier they made a choice in this movie it's not like they're yeah. like oh maybe we should think you know put a little bit of the original they made a choice we're gonna go heavy with the ghostbusters by the third act so it's a clear choice yes. so that's why i think yeah. that's why i think some people are on board some people weren't because you either are or you aren't because it's not gradual it is we're going full Ghostbusters third act. You're either with us or you're without us. Well, uh, like I said, yeah, my my thoughts are the. I think it's a really really great movie. Like a, a genuinely one of a, a great movie for two thirds of the uh, for two thirds of it, and then I think the third act just falls off a cliff. Um, it's still it's not enough to completely ruin the movie, but definitely to hurt it does hurt it um i I do want to say one last thing i do i do think it would have helped if if you were going to make that choice which they made which again part of me is glad that they just made the choice they wanted to make because it it did work to me for a lot of people who it should have worked for from Mm -hmm. the sounds of it like big ghostbuster fans for the most part this movie really works for them which is great but i do think i would have even been able to forgive it a little bit more if the you know original cast was even in like another scene or two mm-hmm. before they pop up at the very end, like just something to give it a little bit of a cushion in terms of like even just like showing them all trying to get back in contact with each yeah. other or something before they show up, just something to make it feel like it wasn't completely out of the blue it wasn't because the clues were there Mm. obviously after she calls him after mckenna grace's character calls him that's your clue that they're gonna end up showing up obviously but i just wish that like i could have forgiven so much if it was just like one more scene of something having to do with them Mm. to tie the old and the new together just Mm. a little bit more i can i say i totally agree with you I would have loved the scene where she actually has to go get the team together. Mm-hmm. Like she visits Ernie Hudson. She visits Bill Murray. Like I wanted more of them. I, I think they, I think them just showing up, like I said, like they walked out of the bushes mm-hmm. felt a little gimmicky and a little kind of lazy in some ways. I wish they were more of a presence for a whole third act of this film. Uh, I wish it was because it does feel a little stunty. It's a little bit like a hey, you know, we knew we were gonna get this, but they're gonna just pop up. But like I said, I do love the the foreshadow of them with Raymond. So like I did tear up there, but I hundred percent agree. I would have leaned in to the original cast a little yeah. bit more. I would have had them be a much bigger part of the film in the third act. 
Uh, and I was hoping while I was watching the movie, I was like, take a bus to New York. Like, let's just go and see the original OG. Let's catch up. Let's really catch up with these characters instead of one phone call and them showing up. Yeah. Like I said, like I'm, I'm fine with the three other scenes we got. I think the three other scenes we got were perfect and worked really, really well and felt like their characters. And if we went with the smaller intimate movie, that would have been perfect enough and we wouldn't have got and to not have it. But the fact that the way that they did it just, yeah, I, I think they, they either needed to get rid of them from the third act entirely or have another scene or two before bringing them into the third act, if that makes sense. Um, overall, yeah, this is a, a good movie and I, I would recommend seeing it, but I, it, it, to me, you should know that the it is very, very reliant on nostalgia. And I think too, I, I think the sugar overload, um, the, the the sugar overwhelms the meal, and that it just doesn't, it it yeah, it just doesn't stick the landing for me. Um, but overall, good movie that you should definitely check out. Uh, that's this week's. Episode review, uh, unless anyone else has got anything else they want to add at the end. No, no I think I'm covered yeah. it. All right. Guys, thank you so much for checking this one out. We apologize for the uh, if, for the audio quality. We should, if, uh, for on our end. Um, You're going to have to put up with it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I apologize, audience, if this is not the standard that you have been presented <laughs> with previously, but we are going to be in the u.s for a couple of weeks doing these recordings so this uh this is this is what you're gonna get yep and uh though we did get our spider-man ticket so it was all worth it yes we did get our <laughs> spider-man ticket guys next week we are going to be doing house of gucci so very excited to be talking about that aka taylor's probably most anticipated yeah. movie i'm so freaking excited <laughs> So you guys haven't seen it yet? No, not yet. We we still we yeah we we still have to go see it. We might go see it tomorrow. But uh, until then, guys, JTE, where can they find you online? Uh, Find me on Twitter at JTE Movie Thanks, where I'm tweeting my thinks about movies. Uh, A lot of movies coming out. I'm gonna try to catch up on a few films you guys were praising. Tick Tick Boom. So I'm definitely gonna check that out. I'm also gonna check out Power of the Dog this week on Netflix. Also. Uh, yeah, it's it's the fall season is here, man. We are deep into holiday films, Oscar nominated possible films, so a lot of catch up to do. Taylor, yeah, everyone can find me at finally tailored, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, wherever you can find things on social media, <laughs> you can probably find me there. And you guys can find me all over at Jacob Glendon at any social media anywhere. And uh, remember, guys, this Sunday, the final episode of The Bracket will air live this Sunday. We're going to have the whole crew in one house together. I know. We're actually going to be together for this final episode where we're not all separate screens on Zoom. It's going to be chaos. Yes. So if you want to see a murder live on screen... Come watch on Sunday because there is a very likely chance that I will be killed. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) Guys, until then, my name is Jacob Blunden. And on behalf of Taylor Robinson and JTE, we will see you next week.